This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a jammed-packed edition of Oski Talk. My name is Anthony Pasquale with Patrick Catazone, and we're going to start off right away with some very good news coming from Illinois, and that's Josh Whitman's plan to return athletes to campus as early as June 3rd. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, that was uh, a big announcement. Um, there, it's, it's all going to be voluntary. I think that's the first thing that people need to get correct is that no one's going to be forced to uh, come back. There's some concerns from athletes, um, especially on Twitter. Some of them are saying how the student body isn't there and they might not be allowed back, but why are athletes you know, being forced? So I think the biggest thing that Whitman wanted to emphasize was that this is all voluntary. Um, they don't have to come back and there shouldn't be pressure um, from fellow athletes or the coaching staff to come back. Yeah, there's no pressure at all. It's just... Uh... I guess the the first step in the right direction to eventually getting athletes and students on campus to start the next school year. Um, there's obviously a lot to be decided. There's a lot of unknowns, and we still need to get to the get to the place as a country where testing is, is uh, more widely available. But this is certainly a step in the right direction. And for me, I think of guys like you know like Georgie Bashanishvili, who's pretty much alone on campus right now because he wasn't able to go home due to the virus now maybe he could get some more people on campus some more people to talk to work out with whatever the case may be but nonetheless I think you know I've said it before I'll say it again definitely a step in the right direction for Illinois and not only that it seems like a very well thought through and a very thorough plan yeah if if I can speak to that um it's a three-phase plan um, this is just the first or the first plan is more of the planning part of it. Now they're trying to execute it. And then the third phase is more or less perfecting the plan. Um, what they're doing now, what they're going to have is students kind of living together and those people living together in apartments in dorms are all going to work out together. So those are really the only, I think it's only like four or three people that you will be with during this, uh, quarantine, during these workouts. So, um, and it's going to be limited. Um, I don't think the football team is going to be allowed to practice. It's just more weight training, um, watching film and stuff, and being able to communicate with staff. Um, there was some concern about whether or not Lovey should be around this because he is in that age group where COVID-19 is very dangerous um, at the age of 61. So we talked. he talked a little bit about that. They believe that they have a completely safe plan for him and for all the athletes and that when they execute it, um, everyone will be safe. I, I think a very important part of this is for after a couple months or a month or two um, or if something goes wrong, you're going to send, I think, everyone home, see where they went wrong, and regardless, they're going to send people home. There's going to be a, a little period, I think he, uh, women said, one or two weeks um, where they're going to try and make sure – they did everything correct. Um, 
if they can improve on their plan, stuff like that. So they, they've left themselves room to improve their plan, and if they get into trouble, they'll be all right. I think another important thing to, to mention, too, is that athletes will be tested every day. Yeah, and, and that's obviously a huge factor in it. The other thing, um, obviously we're media members, but we're also students at the University of Illinois, and if this plan looks like it works for Whitman, you know, maybe Chancellor Jones and everybody else can take take that plan and use it as the blueprint blueprint, excuse me, for the entire student body to end up back on campus, which I think is their ultimate goal, right? Yeah, I you know, Whitman Whitman spoke a little bit about that and you know, he didn't really say whether or not, you know, students are gonna be coming back and he emphasized that Chancellor Jones hasn't made that decision yet, that they're talking about it, but a clear decision whether or not that that's happening or whether he's leaning a certain way or another was not not made clear at all in this press conference but you know you do hope that if this goes well and and i'm you know pray every day that covid um magically goes away because i mean everyone wants Mm -hmm. to go back on campus um that hopefully you know by the end of this we'll we'll all be okay and hopefully it'll be be gone by august yeah that's exactly right and before we get into some roster talk about the illini football team I want to take a quick second to highlight a new addition to the coaching staff, Ashton Washington. Yeah, Illini hired the first ever African-American female to their coaching staff. Um, Really, really good hire. I think one thing that was really a point of emphasis was how whenever the Illini recruiting in Texas, they always heard her name, that you almost, everyone knew her in Texas, which is extremely important for a place like Texas that we want to continue recruiting hard, that Lovey has made a clear emphasis that he has that deep connection growing up in Texas. He knows Texas football. He likes Texas players. Um, that's important too. But I think another point that she emphasizes recruiting um, Illinois and a big part of her job specifically um, on the staff um, is high school relations. Um, so she's, I think she's, she's high school relations, but in, in my opinion, she'll probably be doing, a little bit more recruiting stuff, connecting with a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. But she emphasized connecting with every high school coach in Illinois and, and being able to, I, to quote her, wrap her arms around the state of Illinois, which is something really great. We, we haven't really seen that. And I think if Illinois could camp, capitalize on not only the East St. Louis side of Illinois or the St. Louis side of Illinois, but go over to Missouri and capitalize on all of uh, St. Louis that this is going to be a really good hire. So hopefully, I know a lot of people really want Illinois to be the big emphasis for Ashton, but in my eyes, her value in Texas is ginormous. Um, So Illinois should capitalize on that. And, you know, her personality and her skills as a communicator, as as somebody who can recruit, um, can also be used in St. Louis. Yeah, I agree. And and within the Chicago and Illinois area as well, I'm with you. I think Washington is a brilliant hire. You know, maybe we'll see the uh, Ashton Washington effect for Illinois um, recruiting out of Texas, same way as I like to call it the Corey Patterson effect in St. Louis. And speaking of that, Illinois was able to land another recruit out of St. Louis. His name is Brody Wisecarver. He's a three-star O-lineman for the class of 2021, and I mean, I think that is just a huge get. Yeah, this was a huge get. Um, it really shores up a part of this football team that I was I was getting a little bit worried about 
just because the offensive line of most most recently has been fantastic, but a lot of those guys are going to be gone after next year. Um, and you have a young quarterback that in, in Isaiah Williams that's going to need a good line uh, with him to get stuff done the way that Brandon Peters has and hopefully will in this upcoming year. Um, Heisman 2020. Yeah, I we keep on talking <laughs> about this, but I'm telling you, just a little sidebar. We talk about how much we, we really think, like, he's going to do a lot of good for us. And I swear other people are starting to like see the same. I don't know why, but I mean, we started the bandwagon and trust me, there's room for so many of you. If you guys want to hop on. Exactly. So look, it was, um, yeah, it's a great recruit. I mean, you want to, you want to hit St. Louis hard. I I've said it again and again, you know, if we can't land big time Chicago guys, it's only really, you know, the, the other place that we've been able to hit hard is St. Louis. So why not go all in on St. Louis? And I think yeah. they, they've been doing that. Yeah, I agree. Um, Wise Carver played, I think, left tackle at high school. Um, a lot of scouts are saying he projects more of an offensive guard or right tackle. But nonetheless, four or five of our starting offensive linemen are going to be gone after this year, whether it's graduation or the NFL draft. So he's probably going to slide right into the rotation come 2021. He might not start. He might be second guy up. But offensive linemen are um, one of those positions that you need a ton of depth on your football team, and this is a great place to start for Illinois. And also earlier in the week, they bolstered up the secondary a little bit with three-star cornerback Daniel Edwards, another pretty big get. Yeah, another great guy. The great thing about these two guys um, is that they're guys who had offers from other P5 programs. They're legit uh, recruits, um, proofs in the tape and proofs in recruiting. You know, I feel like of late we were getting guys who were going a little bit under the radar, but it's sometimes nice to get guys who are on the radar and just want to go to Illinois. And I think both these guys saw a great education in Illinois and a good chance to play and they both wanted to come, so it, it's it's been great. I'm glad that that you know these two uh, recruits happened this week. Yeah, me too. And uh, without further ado, we've been sitting on this interview for about ten minutes so far. We're going to get right into it. He is former Illinois Mister Basketball. He is the all-time leading scorer in Fighting Illini basketball history. Patrick got a chance to talk to Dion Thomas, and that's up next. This week on Oski Talk, we're joined by Illinois legend Dion Thomas. Dion, first off, how have you been during quarantine? Uh, been good, man. I mean, it was, of course, tough in the beginning. I uh, was hoping to be heading to Indianapolis, and, and then that was cut short abruptly, as well as the rest of the basketball season. Um, got a little tough, uh, kind of mentally, um, I'll say even emotionally, because my my family was is still divided. My wife is in Israel uh, dealing with family issues, and my daughters and I are here at the house. So, I mean, it's it's had its ups and downs, but the sun is always shining, and I'm pretty, you know, feeling pretty doggone good today. All right, that's good to hear. Now, I, I, a lot of people have been watching The Last Dance in, um, during quarantine. Have you been enjoying the uh, documentary? Oh, I have. Um, I mean, of course, I think that 
for me was the heyday of the NBA. Uh, today's basketball is great, but you know I don't think there'll ever be basketball like that uh, at that time. Um, but no, I've really been enjoying it because it's the time that I played in. Uh, people in those videos that I know, some that I even played against uh, when they, you know, during the pro-ams. And then, of course, some of them had European careers and we played against one another. But also in pickup games at the, you know, the, the various gyms in Chicago. So it was good to watch that and learn some of the backstories that I just didn't know about because I wasn't home. Yeah, absolutely. And we just, I was just kind of wondering what kind of effect MJ had, you know, during that time in the late '80s and, and obviously the '90s too on kids from Chicago um, playing high school basketball. Well, I, I don't think he had an effect, and they actually mentioned this in the uh, documentary, his effect wasn't just on kids in Chicago. I mean, his effect was worldwide. I mean, to be able to watch someone take the the skill level of past players and add it with his athleticism and his will to win and his determination, I mean, he, he put the world on notice that in order to reach that level of greatness, you know, being called the GOAT, these are the things that you have to do. And I mean, and now that you see them in the video, I mean, in the documentary, and you watch them play out. It's amazing. But I mean, you remember that commercial. They played it multiple times in the documentary, the Gatorade commercial, like Mike. Everyone wanted to be like Mike. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's been great. It's, it's nice to have something to, to watch during quarantine. It's been, you know, a little bit tougher. Anyways, let's move on to uh, uh, Illinois basketball a little bit. Io and Kofi both declaring for the draft. Do you see both of those guys um, going maybe later or earlier in the draft or even getting drafted at all? Well, you know, it's, it's really difficult to say. I mean, this is an unprecedented time with the delays and the lack of um, being able to connect with NBA teams and GMs and, and, and their uh, coaches during this time. So it's really hard to tell. Uh, but I will say this. I mean, I think if – well, I hear they've kind of moved back the clock and that they're going to have the combine and, and things of that nature. So – I think if coaches are able to sit down, um, and let's start with Io, with Io specifically, I think they'll be really impressed by this young man. I mean, he has a, a focus and a drive uh, for someone his age, which is truly amazing. And I think they'll really enjoy uh, sitting down with him, getting to know him. Now, I don't know if they're, I haven't heard if they're going to be workouts and things of that nature, but if there were, or there is, then now I think they'll see and be surprised as well because uh, Ayo shows a heck of a lot better in person than he does in the game, I mean, on television. And the strange thing is we enjoy watching him on television. <laughs> so just imagine what their thought process will be when they see him in person and see how fast he is and see how athletic he is. And I think that's one of the things that doesn't get um, the notoriety uh, when you're watching on television. It's just how fast and how athletic he is. Uh, now, as far as Kofi, I think they will also be surprised by two of those things. When they talk to him, and, and yeah, he still has some growth, uh, and they'll see that, and they already know that. Uh, but when they have an opportunity to sit down and talk to this young man, they'll see what kind of a man, young man he is, which is a great one. 
Uh, I truly enjoy my time sitting and talking with him, you know, not just about basketball, but about life. And I believe they will do the same. And when they have an opportunity to see this young man run and jump and do those athletic things, I I think they'll be impressed as well. Now, I also think that they will feel that he needs some extra work, um, which I think he understands as well as the coaching staff, I, I believe, understands. So it's hard to say because it only takes one team to love you. And if that happens, then they could both be going because uh, they are both uh, next level players. It's just a matter if the other uh, if the other thirty people that make those decisions think so. Absolutely, and you know, with a lot of roster change happening this year, if some of those guys get drafted, do you think the line I could keep up the level of winning that they had last season into this next season? I do. I do. And the reason I, I say that is, you know, it's, winning is a culture. And I think Coach Underwood and his staff have done a great job of implementing their culture. Now, of course, Kofi changes a, a world of things for you in the middle. But we saw, you know, some freshman struggles with Kofi as well when other players stepped up. Um, so I do believe that this will continue to win uh, with the guys that we had sitting out. Um, both of them are extremely good players, and I know Illini Nation is going to be very happy with them when they see them step on the floor. I mean, having an opportunity to see uh, Benjamin Verduck, hopefully he will. I mean, I'm sure he's healthy now. We didn't have an opportunity to watch him get healthy during the season, but with this kid's skill level and the abilities he brings to the court, once he's able to be comfortable and play and not have to worry about the injury he had, I think people will be extremely pleased by what he has um, grown into and what he is. And then I've heard um, Hamlin has made some strides as well. This was a young man that has a tremendous upside, athletic ability, length, size. I mean, we watched his body transform from when he came in as a freshman uh, his, at the beginning of his freshman year to his the end of his freshman year. I mean, he had to put on at least another 15 pounds. I mean, what Fletch does with those guys, physically, no one will be able to do. I mean, almost no one will be able to do much with them. And with the culture that's in place, them having an understanding of what they're supposed to do in Coach Underwood's offense and defense, I think they will continue to win. And if both of those guys come back or one of those guys come back, we're going to be even that much stronger. Yeah, you mentioned the winning you know, attitude. Do you think that was just something that was kind of missing in, in past Illini teams? Because you know, the success hasn't necessarily been there since you know, um, mid-2000s. Well, I'll say this. I I thought um, it's difficult to win. And and this is what, you know, people look at the television and they see the Dukes and they see all of these people that are constantly winning basketball games and they think that's easy. Uh, Winning isn't easy. Winning is hard. And winning consistently is even harder. And when you're in a conference like the Big Ten, where I believe you have the best coaches in college basketball, you know, it's going to get even harder. And this is why the last the past few years, the Big Ten has been the number one conference in college basketball. From top to bottom, there's no easy games. And it wasn't like when I was playing when 
we literally would look at the schedule and check off wins against Northwestern. You can't even do that. I mean, they had a down year this year because they were really young, but that Northwestern team is going to be good. Rutgers is good. Penn State is good. I mean, so winning is hard. And I believe what Coach Underwood has done is really, one, brought in guys that have won on the high school, high school level. And now they just have to learn how to win on the collegiate level. And this year, you know, I think they did that. And I think that will continue. But I also think we need to understand and, and learn and know, meaning the fans, you know, it's hard, man. <laughs> There's nothing mm. easy going on on that 94 feet. Yeah, I, I agree with that um, completely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of playing in Europe. For guys who don't get drafted, what would kind of be your advice about playing in Europe instead of maybe trying, giving it a go in, in the G League? Well, I'll say this. I, I don't want people, and I hope, um, and yeah, well, I do know this. I've had some players when I was coaching tell me the same thing. Well, coach, you know, if I don't get drafted, I'm just going to go overseas. First of all, that's very difficult. Um, that is not a given unless you are a high-level talent um, because you're, you're competing against younger players like yourself, older players that are – or players that were in the NBA that may be leaving, not to mention all of the players that are throughout Europe. So that is definitely not an easy road. But I will say this. If players are looking to – really make some money and, and, and really have a career, if they have the opportunity to go to Europe, they need to do that. And the reason I say that is NBA scouts are going to see you regardless of where you are. If you're playing in the G League, I mean, some players will make more than others. Some players will have more opportunities than others. But there are some guys that are floating around in that G League that I believe could have very good prosperous careers playing in Europe. So if they have the opportunity, they should definitely consider it. But also going into eyes open that that's not an easy route as well. Mm -hmm. You kind of paved the way for, you know, guys to high level guys to be able to do that. Do any Illini alum kind of reach out to you about doing that? Unfortunately, no. Um, I wish they would. Uh, As I've told guys, not just this year, but in previous years, my phone is always on. You know, pick up the phone, give me a call. You have any questions, whether it's basketball or life or any of those things, I'm available. Uh, because I had people, and I wish I had more, that did the same thing for me. Uh, you mentioned kind of paving the road for that. There were guys that did it before me, and, and I watched those guys, and I knew some of those guys, even ones that were here from the Chicago area, uh, go on to do that. And then in my conversations with Jimmy Collins, you know, as he said, it's it's not about where you play. It's about being able to do what you want to do at the end of your career. And, you know, because this is a business and this is a business not unlike a banker or a CEO where you can be in that position for 20, 30, 40 years. You have, if you're fortunate, you know, a five to 10 year window to make as much money as you can. So I love the idea and the drive that people and these young guys have about making it to the NBA, but I wish more people would tell them to broaden their horizons and understand that it's about the end game and not just the beginning. Absolutely. And 
Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Illini have an alumni TBT team. Have you heard uh, a little bit about that? And, and some guys who um, currently play in Europe are going to be playing in that as well. Have you uh, heard about that? I, I did hear briefly about that, and thank God they didn't call me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did hear that, and, and I know. I don't know who's specifically on the team. I have not heard that. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're one of the best programs in college sports. So I'm sure they'll be able to put together a, a very, very competitive team. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't reached out for maybe an assistant coach or something like that. Hey, man, I, it, you know, I don't even, who's coaching that team? Uh, Mike Latulip, actually. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, well, no, I know Mikey. I'm glad he's doing it. Mike is actually a good kid. I mean, young man. I shouldn't call him a kid. He's not a kid. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, moving on. Um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of recruiting. Illinois kind of struggled um, with some other Chicago schools that aren't Morgan Park. What kind of what do they need to do to kind of get back into the Chicago scene? Because it seems like they've only been able to capitalize on that one school. Well, I don't think they've struggled. I mean, I, I believe you know if you go back to the previous two coaches, um, they they didn't recruit Chicago heavily. I mean, so I, I wouldn't call it a struggle. They just didn't do it. And you know, Coach Underwood, you know said that he's going to recruit the state and he has started to do that. Um, and you don't just recruit Chicago players just to recruit Chicago players. You have to make sure you're bringing the right player to your team. You know, you want to do your best to get the best player that's in the state, whomever is Mr. Basketball or who's ever in that, you know, top area of becoming Mr. Basketball. You want to recruit them to your team and have them join your team only if they're the right fit. So it's all about fit. It's not necessarily about the, the, the newspaper articles or the magazine articles and who they feel is the best player in the state. Um, and that's one of the things that I would tell anyone. You know, we are fortunate to have a hotbed of basketball, and everyone in the country knows that. So, of course, every university in the country is here. But if you can hold on to your home state, then you're going to do well. And that does not just mean getting the top players. That means getting the right players. And I think they have done that the last couple of years, you know, and I think they'll continue to do that into the future. All right. Well, a couple, two more questions to finish this out. I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing with uh, the University of Illinois. Um, you're the associate, associate director of development in Chicago. What is it kind of meant to be working for the university now? Well, I mean, I've been with the university for the last four years. Um, before taking this position, I was working in President Colleen's office as the community relations coordinator for the U of I system. Um, but to be back in athletics is, is tremendous. And I mean, and it's an amazing honor. And I'm glad Josh and Howard Milton, Josh Whit uh, Whitman and Howard uh, Milton, um, tapped me for this position because for me it's kind of my life going full circle um i was a kid from chicago that didn't have much financially you know i was raised in a single parent home you know and you know the story my grandmother pretty much raised me because of my mom's issues and to be able to get out of my environment play basketball at the university of illinois uh, have the career that I did there, earn my degree, and then have the professional career I had, and then to be able to come back and parlay that into working for the same young men and women by raising money for them is a tremendous honor. And 
to be able to give back to a university that has given so much to me is also an honor. I mean, and that's why, you know, I, I never really left. I'll call myself a homer. And that's why I'm glad my daughter is also a sophomore at the University of Illinois, you know, because that university means a lot to me and to my family. Mm-hmm. And radio broadcasting as well. How has that gone in the three years? I know fans love to hear you. Um, all good reviews. How has that been? Well, I love it. I, I love it. Again, it, it, it puts me next to, uh, you know, working with Brian Barnhart, first and foremost, let me say this, is absolutely amazing. I mean, Brian is the is a consummate pro. He has made my transition from television with the Big Ten to radio as seamless as it seems. I mean, he's been amazing in helping me grow in this space. But to be around the team and to be able to talk and, and, and relate with those young men and with the coaching staff has been has been great. I mean, I love it. I enjoy it. And, you know, like I said before, that's why I was a little crushed uh, when we weren't able to continue the season because of the COVID-19. Yeah, it, it was a shame. But hopefully next year we could have some uh, similar success. Oh, we will. No doubt in my mind. All right. Well, thank you, Dion, for coming on Oscar Talk. We really appreciate the, the uh, call. No problem. I want to thank Dion again for coming on the podcast. Learned a lot. Talked a little bit about Kofi, a little bit about Io, about what Dion's doing right now with the university, broadcasting. Um, we really got into all of it. Talked a little bit about The Last Dance, too. Um, talked about MJ and, you know, I, one great point that I think he made, and I was, I was kind of asking him about whether or not, MJ made a huge impact on, you know, Chicago and, and he pointed out MJ made an impact on everybody. And obviously you saw that in Chicago with the great talent that came in the nineties and really all over the place, um, with just the rise of the NBA. Yeah, and the thing about Dion, he's a local guy. He started at Simeon, uh, led them to a Chicago Public League title, was named Illinois Mr. Basketball. State in state, came to Illinois and obviously finished his career as the all-time leading scorer in history. Then he was drafted in the second round of the 1994 draft, but decided to forego that and take his talents over to Europe. Is that something that you see any of the current Illini doing? Uh, maybe Io or Kofi, or is that something Dion talked about? Yeah, we, we I, I asked him a little bit about... Um whether you know what's some advice that he would give to guys who would consider Europe and I think a big thing is we don't realize the the high level that Europe plays at you know the NBA is is obviously the top but Europe is very close there it's it's a tough place to play and so it's not like anyone can just go over to Europe and play um he emphasized that and and you know there's a lot of line playing in Europe right now Malcolm Hill um Oh, I can't come up with another one. Jalen Tate, I believe, also. Nana Agbu was playing in Japan. Um, there's guys abroad in, um, in in Europe. And I asked him, too, like, hey, any alum kind of reach out to you? Uh, and he said, surprisingly, no. You know, he's a guy who, who played there for a really, really long time. Um, and he said, no, I, you know, no one's uh, reached out uh, too much to us. But, uh we talked, also talked over into that. Talked a little bit about the TBT team, and uh, he uh, he was uh, happy to hear that Michael Tup was coaching the team, so that was good. Yeah, and I think a, a great thing about Dion is, you know, he graduated in nineteen ninety four um, or nineteen ninety three. Played his last season, and he's still involved with the university 
over 20 years later to this day, I think it just shows a tribute to not only his character, but how much Illinois means to to him and all of the alums. So um, great interview there, Patrick. Great get for the, the podcast in Dion. And, and that'll move us along into our final segment of the day. Illini of the Week. I think it was a pretty easy pick for both of us this week. We agreed it's Bobby Roundtree. Yeah, it is. Um, he met with the media for the first time in a long time, um, just this past weekend. Uh, talked to him a little bit, learned a little bit about what um, he's been going uh, through in the last year. It was, it's was it been a year since the accident, um, and he's gone through a lot. Um, he's a fighter. I think that was one thing that we learned right away. Um, he's always trying to get, get up and, and, and work his hardest to get back to where he was or get back to a place he wants to be. He's a guy with a lot of goals. He mentioned coaching as a possible goal, you know, doing stuff with physical therapy, um, stuff like that. So he's, he's a guy who just really never gave up, even though he had unbelievably um, bad circumstances. He never gave up and and he's continuing to um, just recover and, and, go as hard as he possibly can not going too hard of course he they, they mentioned that um even though he wants to but um mm-hmm. doing exactly what he needs to um potentially walk again too yeah here here's a guy who was possibly ticketed for the nfl and instead has a, not only his career but his entire life take a tragic setback with that accident and here he is working hard to get back to a place where he can walk again um, obviously doctors didn't initially think that was possible, but now it looks like he's on that track. Um, obviously his football playing days are, are over, uh, most likely, but the, the fact of the matter is he's fighting to just get back on his feet and who knows where that could take him. Like you said, potentially coaching. He said he also has developed a passion for physical therapy and wants to be able to help other people who have accidents like his get the physical therapy they need without it costing an arm and a leg. And to that credit, Illinois has done a phenomenal job supporting Bobby Roundtree, whether it be letting his jersey and helmet hang in the locker room at the, uh, in the football locker room or the 97 strong fundraiser that raised thousands of dollars for his physical therapy. Um, I, I think that the story of Bobby Roundtree is one that talks about the family of Illinois, but also the toughness and character that Bobby has. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he mentioned, you know, teammates texting him after that Wisconsin game that it was for him. And I'd like to leave off um, this Alani of the Week um, with a quote from Bobby Roundtree because I think it really applies to, you know, COVID-19, the struggles that everyone's going through right now. Um, He said, there's a reason for everything. Hard times don't last forever. So that that right there, I think, really summed up – his mentality and, and um, the struggles this last couple of weeks um, he's gone through. And uh, hopefully everyone who's been affected by COVID-19 um, continues to stay healthy and, and takes that, that quote there to heart. Yeah, and, and with that, that'll put a wrap on this edition of Oski Talk. Thank you all for listening. As always, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. But for now, thank you all for listening to Oski Talk. I'm Anthony Pasquale, and for Patrick Catazone, ILL, I and I.